From COK Studios in Paula Poundstone's Playroom, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider evidence on whether or not terrorists are capable of having a sense of humor. We'll also consider the outbreak of measles at Disneyland in our Consider Your Health series. And we'll consider who left the cap off my ointment. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Bird Bath and Beyond, your home for every type of bird bath, bird shower, and bird jacuzzi. Bird Bath and Beyond, because nobody likes a dirty bird. And ZoomTripTravelBot.com, the top-rated travel website with discounts on ski packages to Scum Valley, Mount Avalanche, and Lake Flaccid. Tell them Peppo the Vacationing Dwarf sent you. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. The horrific terrorist attack on the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo last week left the world stunned and looking for answers. Charlie Hebdo was founded in the 1960s by cartoonists and journalists who wanted to use humor, as one of them put it, as a smack in the face to celebrities, politicians, and definitely to religion. This act of terrorism has raised questions about satire, like whether or not poking fun at certain things like religion or politics should be off-limits because of the possible backlash from certain groups and individuals. It has also raised questions about the sense of humor of terrorists, or the lack thereof. Dinah sat down with two humor experts, Dr. Slappy Hornswoggle and Dr. Muhammad Al-Haha from the Yuck Yuck Institute in Washington, D.C., to discuss why terrorists have such trouble with satire. The Yuck Yuck Institute has been doing research on humor and comedy for over 25 years, and in that time they have produced some groundbreaking research on the subject. Dr. Slappy Hornswoggle is a former rodeo clown turned professor who has authored many reports on humor, most notably the 2003 paper Pull My Finger, a study on the inherent hilarity of flatulence. His colleague, Dr. Muhammad Alahaha, is an expert in ancient humor and was the leader of the team that discovered the earliest known joke in a cave in Egypt. Yes, it was a joke about the pharaoh. How do you entertain a bored pharaoh? You sail a boatload of young women dressed only in fishing nets down the Nile and urge the pharaoh to go catch a fish. (laughs) I see, that's funny. Uh, Frankly, the delivery is a little clunky, but the hieroglyphics of the joke are quite amusing. There's a very long tradition of humor in the Middle East, isn't there? Absolutely. The Islamic satirist Al-Jahiz from the 9th century is revered by many, many Muslims for his hilarious social satire. There is nothing inherent in Islam that says you can't have a sense of humor, despite what these recent attacks might suggest. Well, Dr. Ha-Ha is right. The problem with terrorists targeting satirists and comedians is not an issue of religion or nationality. It's an issue of personality. Dr. Hornswoggle says that terrorists from every country, race, or religious background have one thing in common. No sense of humor. Satire, puns, sarcasm, slapstick. It's all lost on them. Well, our research has proven it time and again. It makes no difference what country they come from or whether they're Muslims, Christians, or agnostics. They just aren't funny and can't understand most jokes. Terrorism is actually the perfect job for these people because, frankly, there's nothing funny about the horrific violence they perpetrate. It's true. The deadly serious nature of terrorism offers these sad, boring souls a job where their lack of a sense of humor isn't a handicap. Did you ever see Osama bin Laden tell a joke in any of the hours and hours of videotape messages? (laughs) No. Where does this lack of humor come from? 
We found that typically those who choose to become terrorists thought they were funny as children. But not everyone grows up to be Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Dinah. So you're saying that there is a direct correlation between being evil and not being funny? Uh, Yes. You can trace this back to all of the most evil and ruthless people in history. Genghis Khan was notoriously unfunny. There's a story about how his closest generals roasted him the night before a battle, but because he had no sense of humor, he sent his generals to die in the first wave of troops into the battle the next day. (gasps) Yikes. Oh, that's nothing. Stalin was voted least funny in his high school yearbook and would reportedly say, who's laughing now whenever he sent people to the gulag? And Hitler was under the impression that he was funny, but he wasn't at all. He would tell the same stupid joke over and over to all the top Nazis. Hitler even decided to kill Ernst Rohn on the night of the Long Knives because he overheard Rohn saying how lame he thought his joke was. Needless to say, he kept telling that joke all the way until the last days in the bunker, much to the despair of his closest aides and his wife, Eva Braun. What was the joke? I had to shut down that new Jewish sausage restaurant last night. It was the worst. Ooh, that is bad. Now, we should say that this rule doesn't just apply to foreign terrorists. Correct. For example, Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh had plans to assassinate Mad Magazine character Alfred E. Newman until he was told Newman wasn't real. And Wade Michael Page, the white supremacist who shut up a Sikh temple in Wisconsin, reportedly hated whoopee cushions to the point that he wrote a manifesto about how he wanted to eradicate all novelty items like joy buzzers and fake vomit. We've shown that comedy is just not something evildoers really understand or enjoy. They do occasionally show some affinity for prop comedy, but that's all. It's it's sad, but it's true. The work of the Yuck Yuck Institute will hopefully continue to shed light on why humor and satire are the targets of terrorism, and why evil people just can't enjoy a good joke like the rest of us. For COK News, I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. Nine people who visited Disneyland or Disneyland California Adventure Park during December have confirmed measles cases. Here to discuss this disturbing news is Alex Truman in our Consider Your Health series. Good to see you, Alex. Nice to be here, Cutter. Now, Alex, you spoke to someone at Disneyland about this unfortunate measles outbreak. Yes, I did, and... Frankly, I was alarmed at their somewhat cavalier response to the nine measles cases. Here is that interview. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today here on Consider Your Health. No problem. Mr. Mouse, how is Disneyland handling the measles situation? Golly, please, call me Mickey. Okay, Mickey. To answer your question, park officials are working with the health department to provide any necessary information, but there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> nothing to worry about? I beg to differ. While not deadly, measles is no bargain. Vaccination eliminated measles in the United States back in 2000, so the fact that we have nine reported cases now is very troubling. Oh, golly! The health department is quarantining any people suspected of having measles, and we're going through all of our records here at Disneyland to help identify who might have been the person to bring the illness to the happiest place on Earth. So, I feel like we've got things under control. (laughs) Yes, the initial findings point to an international visitor who infected the people at the park. 
This story is precisely why I avoid theme parks. Standing in close quarters with strangers, touching railings and seats that have been licked or coughed on by God knows who. Gosh, this kind of thing rarely happens. We've worked very hard to make sure that we keep things as clean and sanitary as possible. I saw Cinderella. Having mice who are probably carrying hantavirus help wash and clean the house? No, thank you. That was just a movie. And I assure you that not all of us carry hantavirus. (laughs) What would you say to anyone like me who is skeptical of the cleanliness of Disneyland? Oh boy, there's no need to be afraid. Disneyland, Disney World, and Euro Disney, as well as all our other Disney resorts and cruises, are as safe and healthy as they ever were. Just be sure to wash up, kids! That seems very general and a bit naive. Two of the people who contracted measles from your park were under eight months old, and measles at that age is very dangerous. Don't you have a more comprehensive list of things people could do to avoid contracting measles, or... Can't you at least encourage everyone who visits your park to be current other vaccinations? Well, we all know that vaccines are dangerous. In fact, my friend Donald Duck's mild form of autism was caused by being vaccinated as a child. I think that all parents need to know how dangerous vaccines are, and I encourage them not to vaccinate. (laughs) You're an anti-vaccinator? That's right! Mr. Mouse, that kind of attitude is precisely what is going to allow a resurgence of measles. Six of the seven people from California who contracted measles at your park had not been vaccinated. This is a very sad state of affairs. Walt Disney must be rolling around in his grave. Uh, No, he's sleeping comfortably in his cryogenic freezing chamber underneath Tomorrowland. (laughs) Despite what Mickey Mouse says, please vaccinate your families, especially before you go to the happiest Petri dish on Earth. Thanks for that report, Alex. My pleasure. That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. Here's a quick look ahead at what's coming up this week on Cereal, the story of the most important meal of the day. Can a breakfast be lucky? Can a big bowl of marshmallows be considered breakfast? Lucky says so. He's a leprechaun, and he says that people are obsessed with his sugary cereal to the point that he fears for his life. I'm Dinah Jones Mallow. On this week's episode of Cereal, we are looking at how a small man in a green hat was able to corner the market on breakfast with what he calls magic. Cereal. One meal told weekly. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you'd like more from the best-looking news team in public radio, go to our website, considerourknowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow. The podcast is available for download at iTunes and at Stitcher.com. We'd like to dedicate this week's episode to the staff of Charlie Hebdo and their families. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. found that typically these who those who though yeah in the field of tourism <laughs> are shitty at being kids all right <laughs>